Hi, I'm Alex L., and I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. (laughs) I'll be sitting down with some phenomenal women to discuss love. I believe we grew distant out of love of some type, like, I don't want to hurt you. Loss. Really don't know what's going to trigger that feeling of grief in any moment. And a topic very important to my work, self-care. Freedom is self-care. It's not about pedicures. It's not about clothing. It's not about trips. Join us as we journey through sharing together. On today's episode, I sit down with an amazing artist. You have probably seen her work floating around social media. You probably already follow her on Instagram. She is phenomenal. Everything that she creates will make you feel something deep inside your bones. I'm sitting down with artist Stella Maria Baer. We talk about her love for the moon and how painting can be a prayer. I hope you enjoy this episode. Here's Stella's story. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. (laughs) Stella, it's so great to have you on the show. I cannot even express my excitement to chat with you. How are you this morning? Thank you for joining us. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. I know about a little about you and your work, but for those listeners who may not be familiar with what you do and who you are, can you share some background about that? I'm a painter and a photographer. I work in oil and watercolor. For the past five years, I've been working on a series of moons and planets and photographing the deserts of the Southwest where I grew up. I live in Denver, Colorado with my baby boy, Wyeth, and my husband, Seth, and our sheepdog named Fox. And your family is absolutely gorgeous, and your art is just mind-blowing. I think I fell in love with your moons a couple of years ago, and um, they literally took my breath away. Um, So I want to dive into your love for the moon and your ability to capture it in such a way that really I've never seen before. So when did you fall in love with the moon? It's funny. I was reading about an upcoming lunar eclipse, a blood moon eclipse in 2014. At the time, I was doing a lot of experimentation in my work, and I saw a photograph of the eclipse, of a past eclipse, the night before the eclipse. And on a whim, I decided to make a painting of the moon. At the time, I had been working in watercolor, but not in spheres, more like abstract color studies. And there was something about the way that the watercolor naturally dried that resembled a lot of the photographs I'd seen Mm -hmm. of the surface of the moon. Mm -hmm. And a couple things that I had been loving in watercolor, but not letting myself pursue fully converged in that moment. And I realized that I could let the the bleeds and the, the natural textures work together in the shape of a sphere. So that was how it started. And since then, I've made hundreds of paintings of moons. (laughs) And each one has, sometimes they're about a specific event, like seeing a moon. 
And sometimes they're more of a meditation on the colors of the landscape where I grew up mm. and a way of bleeding out my own memories of color while moving into a different space. It's so funny that you said that because I have down in my notes here on the things that I, I wanted to touch on with you is um, color play and using your art as meditation. Um, mm -hmm. I know you're a wife and you're a mother and I want to touch on how your art can assist you in turning inward and provide mm -hmm. you with a sense of meditation and self-care, if you will. So how have you been able to um, balance your art being a form of meditation, your self-care as a mother and a wife, and then your career as an artist? It's difficult. <laughs> <laughs> um, for sure. Well, I'll start with where painting began for me. Painting started for me a couple years after college. And at the time I was working in a completely different job and I started painting as a way of meditating and as a prayer. Mm. It was um, a way of moving away from anxiety and getting out of the anxious part of myself and into a different part of myself that was more contemplative. Mm -hmm. And as my work became something like very private and meditative, moved from being something private and meditative to then being a vocation and a job and the way I make a living, mm -hmm. that's been a struggle to like maintain that sense of contemplation. And I think I move back and forth between that a lot. Like sometimes it is a contemplative, peaceful self-care experience, if you will. And sometimes it's just hard work yeah. and I just have to get it done and push through and I don't feel inspired and um, I have to keep going. People often ask me like, isn't it so peaceful and calming to be a painter? And <laughs> sometimes it is, but it's also hard work and a struggle. And I think though, some of that has been returned to me in motherhood when I was before I became a mother, when I was working in the studio nine to five, I didn't appreciate my times in the studio as much. It was very mundane and just like my daily life. Mm -hmm. And then when I became a mother, my time in the studio became something very precious again. Not that I don't still wrestle with having times when I'm not inspired or having to push through, but I think the part of me that wants to create and needs to create has only grown stronger in motherhood mm -hmm. in many ways mirrors motherhood. Like I, I feel like the experience of being pregnant and starting off with this tiny thing that you can't see that you're caring for and that you're carrying and then slowly having it grow and become someone that's outside of you and living a life of its own. I feel like that process is very similar to how I work and the two have helped inform each other, but it's definitely a logistical, like live issue for me. I lo logistically, like I spend a lot of time trying to figure out each month, how much time I'm going to spend with my son because he's a baby and growing so fast. And I don't want to miss any of that mm -hmm. and how much time I need to work because it's not just an expensive hot, like I have to work like, yeah. to support my family and how much we can afford childcare. And so sometimes we 
I'm working full time and my husband is, is taking care of our son or we have a really great nanny who takes care of him. And sometimes I'm, I'm just working on the weekends and, or at night or during his naps and like trying to spend as much time as possible with him. I'm doing that right now because I'm about to leave for a week for the first time since he was born. So right now I'm really soaking up that, that baby time, but it's a constant wrestling. And I both believe that it's totally possible to be an artist and work as a mother, but I also want to honor the struggle of of it and the hardness of it, because that's something that I wrestle with. I'm so glad that, that you said that because I feel as though people who see us from the outside as mothers, as people Mm -hmm. who are creatives and are, you know, artists, whether it be, you know, using your hands as you are um, as a painter or using words as I do as a writer, people think that it's just this almost like this whimsical, (laughs) Mm -hmm. easy life. And not to say that it's a hard life because we're doing what we love for a living, um, which is a beautiful blessing, right? But it also takes a lot of time, effort, and balance, specifically because not only are we nurturing our art, but we're nurturing our children, and we we have to turn and nurture our partners as well. So I'm really happy that you touched on that, that it's not just this thing that we're always inspired to do, and we always have, you know, our answers and our art come to us um, every day when we wake up. I know for me, sometimes it's really hard to sit down and write, you know, especially if... <laughs> Especially if I have Isla crying, I'm getting my oldest mm-hmm. off to school. You know, I, I've I talked about this a few times just on on social media when I'm sharing like bits of the mothering journey and just being a wife and having this creative career. Like I thought that when I got pregnant, I was going to be struck with this vastness of inspiration and I'm growing this mm. life. And wow, like I'm going to have all these words and I had no words like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, now I'm starting to find my words and my voice and my and that creativity again, almost kind of like you honoring your time in the studio now as a mother. I'm mm-hmm. finally learning to honor my time as a new mother again um, with the pen and paper, because it can be so difficult mm. to balance both. Um So with that said, work-life balance, you're leaving for a week. I want to talk about those feelings of leaving your son for a week and how um, you're you're settling into that. Like work still has to get done, even though Mm -hmm. you have this baby. Yeah, it's um, (laughs) it's been a a lot of peaks and valleys going through (laughs) the process of deciding to leave. And I've I've questioned it. I've wrestled with it. My husband, Seth, was actually really adamant about six months ago. He could tell that I was feeling disconnected from myself and from the part of my work that requires going out into the desert and being in these landscapes and not having the limitations of a baby. Mm -hmm. And I really hadn't allowed myself to do that since he was born. And I hadn't really wanted to, I, I had thought about it, but then when weighing the different 
options. I felt like I couldn't do that yet. I, I wasn't ready and, um, he wasn't ready either. And Seth just really, well, we, we had had a really hard week. we had all had the stomach flu. Mm. <laughs> um, and he could tell I really needed it. And so I scheduled this trip about six months in advance feeling like, Oh, he'll be 18 months then it'll be totally different. And it came up really fast. Yeah. <laughs> I know that it's going to be good. I'm, I'm spending some time with, um, my best friend from elementary school and then some really good friends that I haven't spent time with in a couple of years and some of my favorite places, uh, in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. But it's hard. I I feel like my son Wyeth is almost part of my body. Like he's he's no longer part of my body, but he was part of my body. Right. And um, I've been joking like, where is the like strong independent woman that used to <laughs> like do this without a problem? Right. Um, and I think she's out there, but I I welcome the the vulnerability and, um, even the grief that the love I have for him, mm-hmm. even though it's painful to leave him, I think the longing that I already anticipate having <laughs> will grow us together stronger. And fortunately, my mom, we, we don't have family close to us here in Denver, but my mother-in-law is flying in and so I think he'll have some really good time with his his grandmother, which will be good. That's awesome. And I hear him in the back. He's so sweet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had Isla in the studio with me yesterday, and it was interesting, to say the least. But it was just like, these are the things that we do as, as mothers. Um, like, it's just, you know, we get things done. And we also still manage to find time for ourselves and our work. Um, With that being said, I would love to talk about um, how you tap into your creativity. So one of my favorite things about you and your art is that you make pigments from the dirt and the sand and natural um, substances from our earth. When did you start playing um, with those types of techniques? Because they are phenomenal. Oh, thank you. It's funny. I've always been a collector. Like I, I need to go outside at least once a day and I've always gathered rocks or sand or dirt or sticks and brought them back first just inside, but now into my studio and they've always inspired me and spoken to me and informed my practice. A couple of years ago, I was painting outside and my canvas fell over. A, a big gust of wind came up and my canvas fell over like right face down into the dirt. Mm. And at first I was devastated. And then I realized that I was making a painting inspired by the landscape. And so much of my work had been meditating on these landscapes and the landscape itself could become part of the paint, not just inspire the painting, but like physically exist in the painting Mm -hmm. really spoke to me. I had taken a indigo workshop with Mara Ambrose of Folk Fibers, Mm -hmm. who does a lot of natural dyeing. And so I was thinking about that process 
And I started researching and just reading about um, how to make my own pigments and then experimenting. And I had actually already collected a lot of samples of sand and dirt from places that I had been and places where I had grown up that were important to me. So I continued doing that every time we went on a road trip or a camping trip or to see my parents, I would gather like a bag of sand or a bag of dirt and then start experimenting with what those pigments would look like once ground down and refined. So it's been a slow process, but I really love it because it brings, it like brings the circle of inspiration, um, like into a full circle instead mm-hmm. of having them remain two separate things. I if think that makes that, sense. It does. Oh my goodness, it does. It's gorgeous. Look, we get it. Your child is incredibly curious and a lot of toys and activities these days just don't keep their attention. Well, keep them engaged with hours of fun with Little Passports. Little Passports is a subscription box full of toys and games for children of all ages that educates and entertains. For $12.95 per month, there's tons to explore right from your own home. Little Passports box is delivered right to your door every month and each package contains exciting hands-on learning for kiddos three and and up. You can feed their inner scientist with the science expedition pack, which is full of cool experiments to try, or you can even make your own slime. And just for my listeners, Little Passports is offering 15% off of any subscription. That means your child could be flying rockets or looking through a microscope in no time. Use offer code HeyGirl at checkout for 15% off your order. That's HeyGirl at LittlePassports.com. I think it's really inspiring to see women like you and even, you know, young kids like my daughter look at something and bring it to life, whether it be um, the moon or an eye. You know, it's so crazy to see Charlie draw. She can look at something Mm. and becomes real life on the paper. And that's just phenomenal because me as mama, like I cannot even draw a stick figure. So it's just it's just really magical to see how art transforms into real life tangible things from the mind to the canvas. We're going to wrap up here in a minute. But before we do, I want to talk about how you protect your art navigating social media. Um. Um, (laughs) You and I have had some side conversations in Instagram DM about, you know, art etiquette and people not honoring the artist, not crediting the artist. Um, How have you, I mean, social media is kind of this new thing, right? Mm -hmm. And, it can be so great. People share, people are able to connect with you, um, your clients, your fans, um, and just other maybe artists who are inspired by your work. How have you been able to keep your art sacred and still navigate the space of social media? That's such a good question. And also one that is very like alive and living and that I'm constantly wrestling with. Yeah, social media, especially Instagram, is such a strange little world of its own. Mm-hmm. I don't think that I could 
um, make a living in the way I do without it. It's mm. people own my work from all over the world because they've found it on Instagram, which is mind boggling. And even 10 years ago would have seemed crazy. Mm -hmm. And I'm really thankful for that connection with people. And it's, it's something I love. It's become a form of collage for me in like a way that I work through different experiences and colors and um, pieces of work that I'm struggling with. Mm -hmm. um, so I put a lot of that out there. On the flip side, um, there is a lot of copyright infringement and there is a lot of copying and there is a lot of weird mirroring that can happen. And it's, it's hard uh, every month around the full moon Mm -hmm. My work appears in like 20 different advertisements without my permission, sometimes without credit at all. And I have to deal with that. But I think the way that I like to frame it is that Instagram and social media are like a tool in the cart and the cart is being drawn by a horse, but... <laughs> the like Instagram and social media can't be the horse, right? Like my own inspiration and the landscapes that speak to me and the artists that inspire me. I need to spend time in those landscapes and looking at that work, mm -hmm. but I can never let social media drive that. And whenever I place social media as the driving force, my work gets out of whack. So yeah, I sometimes have to take breaks where I don't partner with any companies or where I don't post anything for a while or I, um, and just like step back and recenter my work because I, it, it can get out of whack, but I try to do that. I can feel it when it's becoming too much of a force mm -hmm. and try to pull back and, um, and then re-enter into it. But it's, I think it can be a positive thing. It's just a double-edged sword. sword. Yeah. Yeah. I, sure. it, it's so, it's crazy because social media has its perks, right? You know, we're able to build community where our work is able to touch people near and far. Um, mm -hmm. we're able to engage in a way that perhaps we wouldn't be able to, um, if there was no Instagram. But I think Instagram, social media, Twitter, Tumblr, all the things can get really loud. And I often tell new artists, writers, people who are looking to get their work and word out there about their brand, that they have to know themselves and know their craft before they can depend or lean into social media being a player on their team. And I say that because it's easy to, to get online and compare your work to other people to see the hyper similarities. And it can be dangerous, you know, to us mm -hmm. artists, not only with the copyright infringement, but also with the insecurity aspect. I mean, social media mm -hmm. can make you feel like you're absolute like your work is terrible. <laughs> you know, it can make you feel like, oh, my gosh. I'm not doing enough or or my words aren't as vibrant as his or hers or 
whatever the case may be, like those are real human feelings. And I always tell people, take a step back before diving into social media. And I really like how you how you mentioned that it's a tool and that you can pull from your toolbox. Right. But it can't be the only thing that yeah you're, you're counting on or that you're you know engaging with because then it makes the work difficult yes and 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 noisy and you know that can be detrimental at the end of the day so thank you for that i think that's going to help a lot of people who are either wanting to be in this space of artistry as as a career um, or who are looking to figure out how to get their art and work out there online but also having Boundaries, because at the end of the day, boundaries and balance are a thing um, and they need to be honored, both of them. So with that said, I'm really I'm really happy to have had you on the show. We had a great conversation and I really like your emphasis on painting as prayer and that what you're doing for a living is, is meditative. And I would love to get three tips from you, either self care related or just art as a career related, how mm. to move through the ups and the downs of creating for a living. Find out what inspires you and gives you a sense of vision and spend time there. Like I was saying about Instagram, I think it's a great tool, but not a source. Mm. And I think it's important to to find your sources. Like for me, it's really being out in these landscapes, um, where I grew up and honestly had a very hard time seeing when I was younger and then returned to as an adult and found that they just spoke to me immensely. So that would be the first tip to like find your sources and find your places of inspiration and spend time there. Let the visions grow, let the ideas grow. The second, and this is perhaps a little controversial, but I would say avoid imitating people that are alive. (laughs) (laughs) Try to find your own sense of voice. And I really believe that each of us has like a different story to tell and finding your own voice and your own way is really important, especially when we're just saturated with so many images from the internet. And Mm -hmm. a lot of them can get really similar. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to cultivate your own unique sense of vision and your own voice. And then the third would just be to experiment and play. My son Wyeth is so for him, when he's creating something, it's all about the experience. Like he, he doesn't really care what is happening on the paper. He just wants to like splash and like see the colors move around. And I think it's, we lose that sense of play and experimentation Mm. in our work, especially when we're trying to make a living. Mm -hmm. But I think it's really important to give ourselves the space to experiment and play and fail and try again in order to break through into new bodies of work and visions. I love that. Before before we go, go, please let everyone mm-hmm. know where they can find you on the internet. 
My name is Stella Maria Bear, B-A-E-R, and my handles are at Stella Maria Bear. My website is StellaMariaBear.com. Thank you so much, Stella, for your time today. I really appreciated having you on the show. Thank you. It's so wonderful to talk to you and connect with you. The Hey Girl Podcast is a member of The District Productive, produced by Paul, Woody Woodhall, and me, Alex L. Music by DC's own Kokai. Kokai.